Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. In the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, I'm going to reiterate just a little bit of what we talked about and maybe just in case you're not aware of what I do, I, I, I teach. I like to just not stop teaching. I just like to quit for a little bit and pick it right back up next time. See, it's better that way. I think so anyhow. You know, instead of getting all these different subjects, we just stay on one for a while and, you know, give you some light on it and then maybe go off to something else, but then get more light on the subject, I think they'd be better understood in the human spirit. So, last Sunday we, we gave two parts, and uh, we based it upon our first priority in life, which is establishing a relationship with the Father or with the Godhead, you know, I don't think we could separate them, because it's only through the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit can we establish our relationship with God our Father, amen? But we point out some things I, I think we need to reiterate and... and uh, we gave so much information, we probably gave you enough for quite a while to chew on. If you took it home and took notes, you, you got enough to chew for about a month or two. <laughs> Any, anyhow. So in the fifth chapter, let's just read. We'll read, first of all, this portion of Scripture from the sixth verse. And I'll tell you what, when these words become life in your spirit, it'll get you to shout. It'll get you to shout. It'll get you to shout when you get this in your spirit. In the sixth verse of the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled unto God by the death of His Son, much more. And we said we emphasized them words, much more. Verse 9, we did the same thing. Much more. See? In verse 9, first two words. You underline them too. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement or the remission. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, death by sin, and so death passed upon all men that all sin. For under the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and, by, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many, is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, there's those two words again underlined, and much more, they which have received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound. 
that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we said we have got to understand God's in, in uh, a relationship with the Father God. We've got to establish a relationship with the Father God. But in our study, we said we have got to understand and have the knowledge of God's Word in order to establish this relationship with Him. To have knowledge of the Father is very important. And we said our two sources for knowledge in this study would be Genesis, the first three chapters, and the words that Jesus spoke to declare unto us the Father. As a matter of fact, he came to declare the Father. Look at John's Gospel. Hold your place there. Look at John's Gospel, first chapter. And uh, we know that Jesus... Jesus, in the beginning, says, was the Word. Well, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was there anything made that was made. In Him was life, the light was the light of man, and the light shone in darkness, and darkness comprehended not. Therefore, they didn't understand, or did they know, of the life of the Father. But Jesus says, I've come into the world to declare the works of Him that sent me. See, Jesus came in verse 18. Let's read verse 18. Well, let's back up to 15. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, and he was before me. And of his fullness have, we all, have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Does anybody have an Amplified Bible on hand? What does it say there in that verse? Verse 18, speak it out and I'll repeat it after you. No man has ever seen God at any time. No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique Son, the only begotten God. Who is in the bosom that is an intimate presence of the Father. He has declared Him. He has revealed Him. Brought Him out where He could be seen. Has interpreted Him. Glory. And has made them known. I mean, that just sells it right there. Jesus has declared unto us the Father. And just as he said, Philip, hast thou not known me? I've been with you all this time. You've not known me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's why we've got to see Jesus. When people talk like they talk about our Father God, they've never seen Jesus. But they declare that Jesus is so real to them. But he's not. Jesus has come to declare and to show forth the life and to reveal and unfold unto you and I the heart of the Father God or the Father heart of God. Well, I'll tell you what, you read that translation for a while and get you to hopping. Glory to God. And so we said in our study, Jesus would be a reference for us to study the life of the Father and also the first three chapters of the book of Genesis because of the fact they reveal to us God's purpose and intent in the life of man. We said the whole, matter of fact, we likened it unto, and I, I believe it's a good example because the Spirit of God gave it to me. We likened it unto a, ch a child being born to a family. We said, and you've got to see this. All of creation was prepared and made so that you and I could enter and should enter. Let's go back it up. Adam and Eve should enter into the rest that God has prepared. Well, when a, when a couple, as we said, we stated this before, has know that they're bringing home a child from the hospital. They have prepared the room and everything and in the, it's in that room for that baby or for that new life that's coming unto them. 
that. God has prepared the heavens and the earth and all that in them is for you and for me, the child that was to be born. But we also gave this example that on the day that they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they miscarried. And that room was left empty. I mean, at least, at least in your family, if you have that room that's filled with that stuff, at least you could use it for the next one that comes along for somebody else. But, beloved, everything that was created was cursed. Everything and every, every, all the way that God had designed it to be was all cursed, brought under judgment. And we're going to talk a little bit about God's judgment today because Jesus revealed to us some things. Remember now, uh, as a matter of fact, let's look at verse, you're in Romans 5. That's our text right now, so go back to Romans 5. I said to hold your place there. It's important to, to understand not only the creation, but it's important to understand the law and why the law was there and the purpose of the law. When you understand creation, the fall, and you understand the law, and then the work of Jesus Christ upon Calvary, then you'll have an understanding, a deep understanding of who you are, your purpose for being here, God's intent in your life, and your place in redemption. You'll begin to understand your relationship with the Father God. And we're going to see how to establish that. But let's just take a look first at verse 18, and let's tie it in with something that Jesus said. Therefore, as by the offense of one... Now, underline this, judgment came. Judgment came. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, you don't have to look it up, that the Jews have, and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Now, the law was to be a schoolmaster or a teacher to teach us about God and Christ and His work of salvation. Well, in Matthew 23, 23, he said the weightier matters of the law were judgment, mercy, and faith. And I don't believe we've ever explored and dug deep enough into the Word of God to really grab a hold and grasp in our spirit what he meant, why he said that judgment, mercy, and faith were these weightier matters to understand the place that every one of them hold in the life of the believer. Judgment has a, a place in your life. But the church has misused and abused the word judgment. See, judgment means condemnation. And instead of preaching the truth about judgment, the word judgment, they have preached the negative side of it, beating the church over the head, so to speak, with the word judgment. It means condemnation. And so has held them into a place of condemnation and bondage down on through the ages. And did not know or understand spiritually that the law was revealing to us well, you'll see it right here. Let's read it. This is what the law was revealing to us. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to what? It was revealing to you and me condemnation. The disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden produced judgment. God is... Now, hear me. God is a God of judgment. Your Heavenly Father is a God of judgment. You have got to know that. You've got to be aware of that. And you have got to avoid that. Now, do you got that? Yes, he is. But, avoid it. I mean, avoid it. Disobedience brought judgment, condemnation. But, let's go on and read and see what happened with Jesus. Even so, by the righteousness or the obedience of one, the free gift 
came upon all men unto. Now, if you were not here, the word justified or justification, underline that and put it by a remark there in, in your Bible there somewhere. The word justified means just as if, justified, just as if I never sinned. Just as if I never sinned. So through the disobedience of one, judgment was passed. Now God had to judge because he is a God of judgment. He had to judge Adam and Eve. So consequently, condemnation came. You know the whole story. But he's showing us in this here fifth chapter how we, can re how we do establish our relationship with the Father and we get away from that judgment and condemnation through Jesus Christ. Because of his obedience, because of his righteousness, many would be justified. We have come under justification. Just as if I never sinned. Oh, I could just stand here and say that about a hundred times. Just as if I never sinned. I stand before God just as if I never sinned. That means I have the right to walk in the cool of the day. Cool of the evening breeze. Just look up my head to heaven and say, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. I'm in your family. I come just as if I never sinned. Blessed be God. Just as if. Now see, it's nothing that you did or I did, but Jesus did. Amen? And we're going to see. When we get an understanding of this, it'll get you to shout. But as you can see here in verse 18. Well, let's go on down now. Because I said I'm going to reveal. Let's read 19. For as by one man's disobedience, disobedience, many were made sinners or judged or condemned as a sinner. So by the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. Obedience brings justification. Disobedience brings judgment. Put that somewhere where you can grab a hold of it and understand it. Put it in your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Disobedience brings judgment. Obedience brings justification. But we're talking about your relationship with the Father, yes. But I want to carry this over into the believer's walk. He is basically laying a foundation of salvation and eternal life. But I want to bring it over into the believer's walk, time permitting, that we can get into the area to where we can begin to see that judgment can be passed on a believer today who's in Christ if the believer does not judge himself. Or if the believer judges another believer, you can be judged. When you are judged and sentenced, and that sentence is pronounced with no way of escape, then I don't care how many times you quote himself, took my infirmities and bear my sicknesses. I don't care how many times you say, by his stripes I was healed. It could mean your death. That your spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And we're going to see this so we get a better understanding of it. So what I want you to begin to see is that God is a true, truly, truly a God of mercy and a God of faith. Your heavenly Father is a God of love. But judgment is a part of His nature. He is a God of judgment also. He must judge. It's righteous judgment. But He must judge. Only when there's disobedience is one judged. Now remember that. That's important for you to remember. If Adam and Eve had not sinned, they would have not been judged or condemned. Now, he goes on to talk about the law in the next verse. Let's read the rest of this first. So, verse 20. 
So by obedience shall many be made righteous. Now, moreover, the law, the law. Now he brings in the law. He he ties in the law. The law entered that the offense might abound. Now I, I touched that a little bit. I want to I want to clarify it a little bit more. The law entered. There was a reason for the law. We cannot discount and discredit the, the law and the Old Covenant. We don't live by it and we don't live under it, but we must understand it. Why, and matter of fact, this is a good general rule for everybody who's just starting out and wanting to understand the Bible. If you understand this principle, you'll never, you'll never fail in rightly dividing the word of truth. Study the Old Testament and the Old Covenant in the light of the New Covenant, the New Testament. In the New Covenant, for an example, well, this is a good example right here. The law, he said, entered that the offense might abound. Why is it necessary that I know that? I'm not under the law. The law has no bearing in my life right now. Why then should I have to understand about the law? Well, we've got to find out. He said the law came so that the offense might abound or be brought in abundance or be shown in abundance in our lives. The law came then to give light to you and to me about the fact that we are separated from God, about the fact that we are sinners without hope and without God in this world. So I go back and I, and I look at the law. I find out what the law says. I see what that law says about me individually as a person. You better believe, friends, it brings condemnation. If you read the law, the letter of the law, and you try to live by it as a born-again Christian, you just probably just fall over. I mean, worse so than what they did. I'll tell you why, because back then they had a little bit more discipline, I think. I mean that. But you see, they had an unregenerate heart. Now, you should be able to live above that, see? But without this proper understanding, if you're continually being preached condemnation and judgment, I don't care how hard you try to live right before God, because the only way you can do it by faith. He's a God of judgment, mercy, and faith. And we're going to get into these three and show you how faith is going to appropriate all the blessings of God. So the law was given and shown to man to show how... Now, let's face it, to show what a worm he was. Okay? To show how he could not... You know, when I go off and hear people say, uh, Well, now, brother, I don't have to be... What do you mean I have to be born again? Well, now, brother, I, I don't do anything wrong. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't smoke and drink and go out on my wife and I don't do this and don't do that. So I'm all right, hogwash. Dear Lord, be honest with yourself. You're a sinner. If you're not born again, you are a sinner. Everybody is born into, into sin. The 12th verse of the same chapter says, All have sinned. Death has passed on the all and everybody. And good works is not going to get you. Matter of fact, I, I, well, I'm going to share this with you. And I don't say it to be against anybody's background or any religion or anything like that or any denomination. So I won't even mention the denomination. I'll just say that a man, I, I over the weekend went to a funeral. And uh, the fellow that, you know, in, in a funeral home, he gave the, the little talk there. He gave a little sermon. And I, you know, he was talking about this fellow, the fellow to be 87 years old. And... Uh, he was quoting scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. And I, I was just getting fed because it was scripture. You know, I mean, I don't care. You get a monkey to read scripture. I'll tell you to feed me. Hallelujah. Because it's the word of God. You know. Amen. I don't care whose faith came up by hearing, hearing by the word. He said the word. So I said, bless God. Hallelujah. Well, as he went on and began to talk and talk and talk and talk. And talk finally got to the point about this fellow's life. Now, now he said, now, sure. 
You know, listen to this logic. You're talking about somebody who spent years in a seminary, cemetery, whichever you want to call it, theological school, and I mean degree after degree after degree after degree, you know, all these degrees, and to make a remark like this, said, Now, Lord, Almighty God, this fellow here is 87 years old, was 87 years old. In the Bible, I read about a man who was at, at the side of Jesus, all, uh, you know, on the cross. When he was on the cross, there was sinners on each side. Now, that sinner that was on that side of Jesus, he was a robber, you know, a thief, maybe a murderer. He never gave anything to humanity. He never did anything to better the world around him. He never contributed to anything that would be of any worthwhile cause because he was that bad. You said bad of a person. And there he was being judged and condemned to death because of what he had done. So evidently he was just, I mean, terrible. Now this was some terrible fellow, you know. He said, now surely, listen to this logic. Surely, since that man said, Lord, remember me. Since you said that man would be with me in paradise. Surely, surely... This fellow over here who gave some money to the help the poor, surely this fellow who did a little bit of good for humanity and loved the people around, surely if that old guy would go to heaven, surely this guy got to be in heaven. And I felt like saying, don't you know? Listen, friends, the Bible doesn't say because you didn't live your life like that old sinner did on the cross. Next to Jesus. It doesn't say that. It says you must be born again. It's got nothing to do with what you did or didn't do. It's got to do with who you are. And if you're a child of God, you've got the gates of heaven open wide unto you. And if you're born again, you have eternal life. And I don't care if you were the worst crook in the world. You're not any longer. I'll go a step further. You're not even a sinner saved by grace. Blessed be God, you was a sinner saved by grace. But now, blessed be God, you're a saint. Hallelujah. Born again. Filled with the Spirit. Love walking. Faith talking. Amen. Living epistle of the living Christ. Red known of all men. That's who you are. Righteous in the sight of God. So you see this law came to reveal and show to you and me because of the hardness of man's heart they actually thought they was pretty good cookies. I mean they did. Just like some of you out there might think, well, no, I don't, you know, I go to church once every other year. Maybe twice. That's got nothing to do with whether or not you're going to heaven. I don't care if you go to church three times a week, every, every day, you know, every week of the year. That doesn't matter either. Are you born again? It's got nothing to do with salvation. See, but they were so hard-hearted, man thought what he was doing was right. Well, sure he did. Because, you know, over there in Ephesians, the second chapter, says you were who were dead in sins, hath he quickened. He's quickened us who were dead in sins. Where in times past we walked according to the course of this world, according to the uh, prince of the power of the air. The, the spirit that works now in the children of disobedience. We walked according, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Because that nature was in them, they thought that they was okay as long as they just tried to do a little bit of good. That's how people are today. But he was saying the law was, was given... To show you, you can possibly, thou shalt not this and thou shalt not that. One time in your life, if you commit one of them sins, you're done. So you know what it did to them? It said, oh man, who can make it? 
Thanks be unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, you're free. So when I meet somebody tell me, well, now listen, I, I keep the Ten Commandments. I've heard them say that to me. Well, I may have just missed a little on one. Where's their knowledge at? They miss, they miss them, many of them probably every day of their life. Greatest sin right here is your mouth, your tongue. Sin every day, every day. All has sinned, born into sin, but yet I'm pretty good, you know, I do good. See, that's why the law was given. Can you see that? That's the purpose of the law, is to reveal to you and to me that we cannot in ourselves make it that no man should glory in his flesh. We can't do it. Without Christ, you're lost. There is no hope. Okay, let's read on. So, that's why the law entered, that, that the offense might abound. Now, are you seeing what that says there? Okay, now look at the next part. But where sin abounded, grace, and there's those two words again, hallelujah. Grace, grace did much more abound. So, where the law and the... Matter of fact, the law was... Let's, let's, let's... I'm going to do this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, 3rd chapter. I wasn't going to do this, but... See, we've got to understand this. When you understand who you are in Christ, well, I'll tell you what, you've got the battle won. Not who you can be, who you are. Not who you're trying to be, who you are. You are. That's all, just who you are. You had nothing to do with it. You were born a male or a female because you, had, you couldn't help that. You were born that way. I'll tell you what, I've been born righteous and so have you. And I, I couldn't help it. I was born that way. Hallelujah. I mean, I just, I just can't, I'm just, you know, I'm just a righteous character. So are you. You was born that way. So that's, that's not being, you know, puffed up and being in pride. The Bible says I was bo- I'm more than a conqueror too. I can't help it. I was born that way. Don't look at me like that. I didn't do anything about it. I was born that way. I mean, I was born more than a conqueror when I got born again. Amen? I'm going to tell you something else. I was born healed. Amen? I was born that way. When I got born again, all those things just felt, I just, you know, I mean, we're blessed coming in, going out, blessed city, blessed field. We was born that way. Well, if you could believe all that hogwash they tell you about how wicked and how terrible and how worm and how unworthy and how this and how that, and, and truly under the old covenant, you was that way. But blessed be God, you was that way because you was born into death that way. Well, I can sit here and tell you who we are in Christ and tell you, glory be to God, we've been born that way. Righteous, healed, delivered, and set free by the power of God. I was born that way. Boy, when that gets into your heart, hallelujah, it means victory. Now, in 2 Corinthians, the 3rd chapter, did you find that yet? Verse 7. Wherever we see these words, much more, and things like that, or be rather, there's just many words that you, you should underline and, and highlight in your Bible. Let's start with verse 7. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation, underline that, be glory, be glory much more. Oh. Oh. 
does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory? If the ministry of preaching, death, and, and, and all that pertain to it would cause you to line up and obey God because of who you actually were in Satan, a child of the evil one, a child of wrath, cursed and doomed for hell, if the judgment was allowed to take its full course, or if that sin was, it would be total death. If that ministered glory so that the face of Moses could not be seen by those that were around him, and it was not written and engraven in their heart, it was written on a tablet. If that brought forth glory that was so glorious they could not stand to look upon his face, how much more glory does this ministry of the Spirit of God coming inside your heart and writing in your heart with the finger of God His laws and commandments in your heart be exceedingly glorious. Can you imagine that? Can we comprehend that? Looking at His face, they couldn't say, that glory, friends, is in you. That's who you are. It's not trying to get there. If you're born again, it's in you. If it's not in you, you can get born again. It'll be in you. It's not a matter of attaining something. It's a matter of receiving Jesus Christ into your heart and being born again. That's all it is. See, it was the ministration of condemnation. But this is not a ministration of condemnation. It's a ministry of what? Let's, let's, let's read the last verse again. Verse 9. For if the ministration of condemnation, judgment, condemnation be glory, much more, much more, does the ministration of what? Beloved, we've got, we don't have the ministry of condemnation anymore. We have got the ministry of righteousness. I am to minister to you righteousness. That's who you are. You are righteous. The righteousness of God in Christ. And how much more... And that's the reason why the pe people have not been living up to what God has told them they are. They've been trying to get somewhere. They've been trying to get to where they're at. Did you ever go... Uh, say you, had a, you, know, you wanted to go somewhere and visit some place or see some things. And you're looking for a certain place. And you're, you know, or a town or a city or whatever, or a road. And, you know, you go and you finally you stop at a gas station somewhere and you say, I'm, I'm trying to find, where? He says, you're right here. He says, I'm trying to find this certain sunset place, sunset town, whatever it is. And he says, you're right here. See, you was trying to get there all the time you was there. You was trying to get to that place and all the time you was right there. Well, Christians are trying to get to the place that they think they should be and all the time they're there. You're there. You're all, you're not going to get any more righteous than you are right now. You're not going to get any more delivered than you are right now. You're not going to get any more free than you are right now. But now, see, you've got to manifest that in your outward man. That's, that's what we've got to do. But you've got to, it comes by knowing who you are and what you have and that you've already, you're already there. Don't try to get righteous anymore. You're righteous. It's all there. And the glory of it is far exceeding than that glory that came down up off that mountain. Let's go back to Romans. And let's read... Well, let's read that last fifth chapter there. Let's read that last verse, rather. Fifth chapter. Okay, let's read 20 to 21 again now. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned, that as sith sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. Now, as death reigned in your spirit, 
and in your life. So now we can allow righteousness to reign. Righteousness means right standing with God. To reign. It's not a matter of, of, of trying to attain something, friends. It's a matter of letting the righteousness that's already in you, let it reign in you. Let it be the ruler in your life. Man, I want to say this to you. You know where that danger comes in? You know what happens? People do this. Boy, that fellow, he's pretty proud, isn't he? I don't know why people get off of the, That's the devil. The devil tries to throw in these things just to, just to get you away from who you are. It is not pride to say you are who God says you are. That is not pride at all. No way. You're not boasting on yourself when you, when you say, I'm more than a conqueror. You are declaring who God said you are. And in Ephesians 2.10, he says, you are my workmanship. Now, you want to argue with somebody, you argue with God. He said, you are my work. He made you righteous. He declared you righteous. Anybody here had anything to do with making yourself justified before God or righteous before God? Not a one of you. Well, I think because we were all a victim of circumstances, and when I say that, I say a victim of Adam's circumstances, I didn't make myself unrighteous. If I was in the garden, maybe I wouldn't have eaten of that tree. Would you have? I know now I won't. Wouldn't. I mean, you know, but it's different now. But you see, I didn't have anything to do with it. So who could stand there and tell me that me, the one that God had prepared, you, the one that God created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in there is, and said, you've got power and dominion over all of it. I did it all for you because you're my child. Someone come along and tells me, now you're a worm in the dust. You're bound up by Satan and all his cohorts. Says who? At one time that was true. But who the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. And now you know what he said on top of all that? Fear not, little flock, little children. Little children. It's your Father's good pleasure, your Father's, to give you the kingdom. Because we have been reborn, recreated into that family. Once we were kicked out of it. We've been recreated, reborn into that very family. And whereby we could cry, Abba, Father, we've been adopted back into the family. He had to adopt us back into that family. And we're back in there. Now all things that he created is for you and for me. And it's all ours again. Now let that, when you establish relationship, that's why I want you to see this. When you establish a relationship with God the Father, you establish it on this note. You are in perfect standing with the Father. Not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. And he's not knowing you after the flesh any longer. He's knowing you after the spirit because of who you are in Christ. Now, judgment is a word we need to look at because the judgment that was passed upon... You're in the fifth chapter. Look at the sixth chapter, verse 23. I just want to get this understood. The judgment in creation that was passed upon Adam and Eve was the judgment of death. All right, for the wage... In verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. Death. So if, since, they, since God was righteous, He had to judge them, and the judgment that passed upon them was death. Matter of fact, He was judging before it all happened. He said when He told them. See, the one word here for judge, K-R-I-S-I-S, write this down. If you've if you got taken notes, write it down. K-R-I-S-I-S means the process of investigation to distinguish, to separate. 
the process of investigate, to investigate, the process of investigation, to distinguish, to separate, to judge. God was showing forth judging when he said, here's the tree of the laws of good and evil. In the day that thou eatest thereof, you're going to surely die. Now, all that time, he was judging all the acts of Adam and Eve, up until the point where they could have entered into his rest. That, this here word means an act of judging or discerning, separating for judgment. Now, when the sin finally came, they had to be judged. That word is different. It's K-R-I-M-A. And it means to pronounce sentence upon or to pass judgment upon. Now that they had already done and committed the act with no return, they were, they were pronounced judgment. Judgment came upon them. Remember now, he is a God of what? Judgment, mercy, and faith. So now the judgment came upon them. And when that judgment was passed upon them, we're going to show you how mercy was an operation. The wages of sin is what? They should have reaped death, spirit, soul, and body. And let's put it, if it was unconditional, let's, let's say it was unconditional. If the judgment that was pronounced upon them was unconditional, then they would have reaped spirit, soul, and body death. Hell forever. Lake of fire, just right along with Satan and all his cohorts. But God, who was rich in his mercy, wherewith his, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, his mercy, that's Ephesians 2 4, go there. Let me insert this while you're looking. The wages of sin, we said, was death. James said, Every man is enticed, when he's enticed, when he's tempted, he's, he's enticed, he brings forth sin. Now, when sin is finished, what is the end result of sin? It bringeth forth what? Okay, the sin that they had committed, had it been allowed to run its full course, would have brought forth the end of that sin, the end of it, the judgment, which would have been death. For everybody. I mean, I know they died physically. I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about spiritual death. The end of the judgment would have been death. They all, everybody, the whole human race would have all been doomed with Satan. Everybody, everybody that's in this place, anybody that would have been born thereafter, had they been allowed to, to continue to regenerate, would have been doomed forever. Now, God had to do something to stop the process of that sin or of the judgment or of that condemnation that came upon them. And God, in Ephesians 2, 4, says, Our Heavenly Father is rich in what? He's a God of what? Judgment and a God of what? You need to know this. You need to know the mercy of God. I'm going to give you a definition here. Mercy. An outward manifestation of pity. Mercy is an outward manifestation of pity. Now listen. It assumes the needs on the part of him who receives it. It assumes the needs on the part of him who receives it. And the resources adequate to meet the need on the part of him who shows it. And the resources adequate to meet that need on the part of him that shows it. We're left in a, in a pretty bad place. We're left at the mercy. That's why we say at the mercy of God. God have mercy. And His mercy endured forever. But we were left at the mercy of God. You were at the mercy of God. Allowed to run its full course in the human race, it meant damnation for everybody. 
we were left and the judgment was already pronounced. If the judge sends you to 25 years, it's pronounced. It's only by the mercies of the court can you be let out less than 25 years. Isn't that right? Okay. Now listen. You were left under judgment, condemnation, and doomed, and the sentence thereof was death. Now, God, you have nothing to do with this. The Father heart of God, these attributes of God are important. You've got to know that God, your Father, was so rich, abundantly wealthy in mercy towards us. He saw the need, in other words. He knew there was the need, and He had the resources. Now, listen to these resources. You remember over there in the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation where it says, There was not one found worthy to open up the book and the loose the seals thereof. Remember that? God was rich in His mercy, yes, but He had the resource, the resources to supply the need. And that resource that He had was Jesus of Nazareth, His own life, the very life of God. The need was you had to be redeemed. God had the resources and the mercy and the love wherewith He loved us. And verse 5 said, Even while we were dead in sins, hath He quickened us together with Christ. Jesus was the only one that could save you and me. But God's love, and I want to, I want to emphasize this fact. You were in the worst of all situations. You were in a hopeless way. But God was so rich in mercy and for, with His great love with He loved us that He gave us Jesus. And I want to get, get you to see in establishing your relationship with the Father God just how much He does love you and just how much you do mean to Him. Let's go back to our text, 5th chapter. And we're going to get back to Ephesians 4. He's rich in mercy. Judgment, mercy, he is rich, wealthy, abundantly wealthy in mercy. He sees the need you have and he has the resources to supply your need, no matter what your need might be. He has the resources. It's according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus that he supplies your need, according to those riches. All right, in the fifth chapter, now let's tie these words in. I know I did it before, but I want, you to, I want to get it deeper into your spirit. Verse 6. Well, how much love wherewith did he love us? According to Ephesians 2, 4. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Well, let's, here's what it says. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for you, the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet preventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended, show forth. He brought forth to light his love towards you. This great love that he's talking about. In that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Much more than... Now, I brought this out before, but listen to it carefully. Much more than being now, being now... Be, he's assuming, because he's writing to believers, that you're not now a sinner. You're not now ungodly. You've accepted the fact that God loved you so much that He sent His only begotten Son that you believe on Him and you have eternal life. Much more than being now justified by His blood. I'm now justified by His blood. Much more, we shall be saved, sozo, delivered, healed, preserved. Let's read it. Well, first of all, much more than what? 
much more than the fact that you were an unregenerate, ungodly sinner, much more than the fact that God's rich mercy and great love for you sent Jesus, much more will that same love that saved you much more, being justified by His blood, much more will that love and mercy deliver you, save you, preserve you right now from wrath, condemnation, judgment, and anger that comes from God or anybody else. Now, much more, much more. And verse 10 says, even if we were, if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, you'll be saved, sozo, delivered, healed, set free by His life. I saw this when I was a babe. One scripture showed it to me. I didn't have the knowledge. I'm gaining it now. But I knew something on the inside told me in my spirit that God loved me, yes, when I was a sinner, to send Jesus. That's how much He loved me. But I knew some, somehow, some way, on the inside, by the revelation of the Spirit of God, I knew that because He delivered up His only Son for me, that now being justified, I knew on the inside that He wants to meet my every need, any way, shape, heal my body, set me free, deliver me, meet my needs, give me my finances. I knew that in my heart. I had not the knowledge of it. I had even men that were great, great scholars try to come again. And I said, I don't care what you say. I don't care how many references you have. Something on the inside, tell, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Tells me that he loves me so much, he wants to do all this. And if, if it's not coming, friends, it's because of me, not because of God. I knew that. Oh, and I go back to Ephesians 2.4. I just knew that he's so full of mercy. And thank God for his mercy endured forever. That's the good news. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, there's judgment. He's got judgment. And well, I'm going to teach you how to avoid that judgment. Hey, that, that's not anything to play with because when you get under judgment, friends, it means look out. But much more is he working in you right now by that power to keep you away from the judgment. He doesn't, he doesn't want to judge you. Wrath is saved for his enemies, not for his children. Ephesians 2.4 says, He was rich in his mercy for his great love with he loved us even while we're dead in sins hit to quicken us together with Christ by grace are you saved okay and has raised us up to sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus now listen next verse 7 that in the ages to come are you listening that in the ages to come he might show what is the exceeding riches exceeding are you ready exceeding what that in the ages to come yeah, he was rich in his love and his mercy for us. But in the age, he, he quickened us together with Christ while we were sinners and raised us up to sit together with him in heavenly places that in the ages to come he might show what is the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards little old you and me through Jesus Christ. Now, if you have to meditate on that for a while, go ahead. But when you do, you probably just jump out of your shoes. You know what that's saying? Do you know what that's saying? He was rich in mercy to save you and do all that while you were just an unknown worm in the dust. But blessed be God, he's saying now in the ages, he's done all that so that in these days and ages, this age, right? And this is a part of it because we are, we're living in it. That he would show the exceeding riches 
of his grace. Now, you ready for this? Judgment was pronounced. Mercy meant that God had the resources to save you and me and was willing to do it. Well, grace is the fact that he was willing to do it. Judgment. Now, mercy comes in. His, his exceeding mercy towards us now, the riches of it. But grace, notice it says, and his grace, his kindness towards us, the grace is his willingness. Know this. He's a God of judgment. He's a God of mercy. Grace was the willingness on the part of God the Father to do all this for us, see, and to show all this love and kindness towards us. Now, you ready? Verse 8. For by this grace are you saved through what? Through what? Grace. Judgment. Mercy. Now, listen. You'll never avoid the judgment. You'll never cash in on the mercy if you have no faith. I said, you'll never avoid the judgment. You'll be condemned. You'll never have and know the mercy that God has for you. You'll never taste of the mercy of God if you do not appropriate by grace, God's grace, which was his willingness to save us, through what? Now, are you ready for this big circle around that word faith? Circle that word. And if you've got room, write it in your notepad or whatever. Get a tape. Faith appropriates all the blessings of God. Without faith, it is, what's the word? Let that be deep in your spirit. Now can you see why? Without faith, it is impossible because it is, God is a God of faith. And without the faith in what he did, for you, it is impossible to please your Father God. It's impossible. I don't even want to talk about one here. It's impossible. I mean, that's pretty bad. When we just, it's just that bad. It is impossible to appropriate all the blessings of God. Now, let's get to John 16 very quickly because I want to show you something here. This is the job of the Holy Spirit. Some of you may not know or understand, but that's okay. Just listen be open, and now the Holy Spirit is going to do something in you, and it's found in John 16, 8. They had a hard time understanding it. The, the disciples did, those that followed Jesus. I mean, they walked on the earth. Don't, if you want to compare yourself, compare yourself to them. They walked with him every day for three years and didn't understand a word that he said, hardly. But in John 16... Let's begin with verse 8. We'll find out what he, what he told them. About 7. Nevertheless, I tell you. Verse 7. The truth. It is profitable or expedient for you that I go away. For if I go on away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove, convict, convince, or bring a demonstration of to the world. Let's put it that way. When he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will reprove, convict, convince, or bring a demonstration to the world of what? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because they, I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the prince of this world is just. Now listen, you've got to get this. The job of the Holy Spirit now is to bring, and you should pray this, that the Holy Spirit bring to you a conviction, a convincing, or a demonstration of 
the fact that sin separates you from the Father God. If you're not born again, you need to know you have a need of salvation before you can get saved. Some of you think because you go to church, you know, I'm, I'm all wrong, I'm all right, but I'll tell you what, that, that if you're not getting what the Word of God says, you better weigh out. The Bible says there's a way to a man that seemeth to be right, but the ends thereof is the way of death. It's the way of because you've been deceived. Jesus said, let the blind lead the blind, the both fall into the ditch. This is, he's come to give us light. The Holy Spirit will reprove, convict, or give you a demonstration of sin separates you from the Father God. You need to know that. You're a sinner, and you need to know that Jesus, that's why righteousness is available. Notice it says, of righteousness, the second thing. Of righteousness, you need to have the whole picture on sin to find out who you were. But blessed be God when he brings to you a conviction, a convincing and a demonstration in your life. What did Paul say? I didn't come to you with men's words of wisdom. I came unto you with the wisdom of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in demonstration. Okay, that's what he was saying. He has demonstrated unto me righteousness. And if you're born again, well, the person that's not saved, the person that's not born again, you need to know that by the Holy Spirit that righteousness is available for you today. And the Holy Spirit will come and convict or convince you or bring you that demonstration of the fact that righteousness is available and what righteousness is and what it means to you. If you don't know that or understand that, you see, you're not going to get saved. And that's why the job of the Holy Spirit was to do this. And then of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Listen to this. Jesus says, I didn't come into the world to condemn, judge the world, but the, I came that the world through me might be saved. But if you don't understand that, what's going to happen to you is you're going to be judged with the devil. Did you hear me? It's not because of what you've done out there, friend. You didn't do it. Adam did it. The devil got in there and worked that out so it would be that way. And you didn't have anything to do with it. God's not blaming you. He's not holding anything against you. But the Holy Spirit is to show you this, that you are separated from God. You're a sinner. You need to be born again. If not, God can't help you, even though he's rich in mercy and love for you. He can't help you because you don't understand that. You're not acting upon that. And it's only by faith can you appropriate your salvation. So you're going to be judged, and that's why he's to convict you of judgment. You're going to be judged either in Adam or in Jesus. And Satan's already been judged. And you want to know what the end of that judgment is, friends? Okay, go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Condemned in the lake of fire with Satan and all his cohorts forever. But he that believeth and is baptized, born into the family of God, he shall be saved, delivered. How much more can he save us? Can you see that? You've got to understand this. You've got to know this. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not getting to the place I want to teach you how to avoid that judgment, but I want you to know this. Let's close with you and John. Go back to the fifth chapter. We'll close right here. Let these scriptures now become so alive within your spirit, man. Now, these are, he said we're going to use Jesus as a source. He's a source right here. This is 519. Very, very, I say unto you, the Son of Man. The Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, 
For what things soever he doeth, these things soever these things soever he doeth, what things also I'm sorry, these also doeth the Son likewise. Verse twenty. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Now listen, verily, verily, I saith unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into what? Judgment. Condemnation. But is passed from death. Passed from what? Passed from what? Death into what? You passed from it. You did not work your way into it, but death passed upon all men in that all have sinned. It passed upon all men, and now you have passed from death into life. How? Well, you passed into death through natural generation. You passed into life through spiritual generation. Hallelujah. You were born again. You passed into life. So it says there's no condemnation. Now you ready? How did you do it? Well, we know how to get saved. It says, God shall confess with thy mouth, believe in your heart, right, Lord Jesus. Now listen, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Jesus said, either make the tree good, listen, or the fruit, and the fruit good, or the tree evil, corrupt, the knowledge of good and of evil make your tree good or make it evil. The knowledge of good and evil. Make your tree good and its fruit good or make your tree corrupt and evil or and it's, that's the two trees. How do you do that? For by thy words thou shalt be just as if I never sinned and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you have made the tree good. You've passed from death unto life. And there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. That's all you got to do. Walk after the Spirit. You've passed from death unto life. No condemnation, no judgment. Make the tree good. And it's fruit good. Let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.